Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Rich Webster. Rich is a productivity expert, graphic designer, and entrepreneur. He teaches people how to run profitable and productive businesses, using those techniques to work less than 20 hours a week running his three businesses. Rich's productivity business, Work Less, Earn More, can be found on Instagram at richwebs, where he offers productivity tips, lessons, and executive coaching. In the episode, Rich shares time management apps and tools he just loves, the two-minute rule we should all be doing, what to do when you feel like there aren't enough hours in the day, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, Dry Farm Wines. If you're a wine lover like me, but haven't made the switch to natural wines, you're going to want to listen up because natural wines are going to change your life. You see, alcohol manufacturers aren't required to post ingredients or nutrition facts on their bottles, which is how they're able to sneak in sugar and other additives. Fortunately, Dry Farm Wines has come to the rescue. Their natural wines are lab-tested to ensure they're sugar-free, lower in sulfites and alcohol, and also free from other industrial additives. Since I've grown accustomed to drinking natural wine, even the most expensive conventional wines give me a headache and just make me feel overall gross. If you've never tried Dry Farm Wines, you're going to be immediately hooked by the flavor and quality of their products, as well as their incredible customer service. To get a bottle of Dry Farm Wines for just a penny, visit dryfarmwines.com slash thehealthinvestment or click through the link in the show notes. And one more thing, if you've been yo-yo dieting for years, but nothing you've tried has helped you keep the weight off long term, I'm so happy you're hearing this because outside of hosting this podcast, I help people lose weight for the last time without giving up carbs, counting every calorie, eating clean 24-7, or other unsustainable extremes. Unlike diets, apps, and programs that only provide short-term results and suck the fun out of life, I help you make evidence-based habit changes and mindset shifts so you can drop those pesky pounds for good, feel completely in control around food, and start showing up as the trimmest, healthiest, most confident, most energized version of yourself. Learn more about my programs at thehealthinvestment.com, and please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. I always love hearing from you. All right, let's hear from Rich. Enjoy! I'm Brooke Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode.
Rich. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Thanks for having me, Brooke. So excited. We were just chatting. You live in Philadelphia. I love the East Coast. It's like my favorite place. It's <laughs> Even getting <though> cold. <laughs> it is getting cold, but I actually miss that. I miss seasons. And I was mentioning I moved to California. And so a lot of my winter wardrobe had to go because I don't need it anymore, but I miss it. Yeah, I, I think I could uh, I could stand to be a little bit farther south. Yeah, <laughs> I love the city. I don't know. We'll People say that, and I live in Oakland, and it's pretty much seventy and sunny here every day. So then you sound like a horrible person if you're complaining <laughs> about seventy and sunny every day. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, but I'd love if you could start out by letting us all know kind of what got you into teaching people how to be more productive. Sure. I'm happy to do that. So I'm Rich Webster. Uh, I've been running my primary business, which is uh, I am a graphic designer. Uh, My company is called Richard Media Company. We do graphic design, video production, uh, and website development. Um, And that was kind of my entree into this world of productivity. So the reason that most people want to talk to me is uh, my life is a little bit unusual. I only work 10 to 15 hours a week uh, on my business um, and basically on anything related to work in general. Um, So for example, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit, I track my time religiously and, um, last week, uh, was a little bit high for me. Um, last week I worked 18 hours and nine minutes the entire week. Um, now I'll, I'll break that down. So my design agency, Richard media company, I actually only spent eight hours working on that. Um, I spent about six hours working on my Instagram page and this business, my productivity business, which, uh, is how Brooke found me. And then, um, I spent about four hours on my brick and mortar business in Philadelphia, which is called Connect, and we're a health and wellness studio. So all together, all these businesses, three businesses, I only worked 18 hours. Um, And that's usually what people want to talk about because they can't really imagine how is it possible to run all these businesses and like, you know, I'm not, I'm not making this up. You know, my business is probably going to do about half a million dollars in revenue this year. Uh, it is a real fully functioning business. It's not me just saying, uh, you know, I spend eight hours working and uh, I don't make any money. And that's why it's really easy to work only eight hours. Uh, so we'll start with the end point and then I'll bring it back around to how I got there. So the end point for what things look like now is my company, I have no employees. Um, that is by design. I work with 10 to 15 freelancers who do everything from design, web development, video production, bookkeeping, you name it. We're a pretty, uh, we've worked with some pretty good clients over the years, Uh, Vice, Geico, um, Google, the World Bank, bunch of celebrities, real projects, right? Um, And I'm painting this picture to just show you that we so often think that the inputs need to add up to the outputs directly and that the amount of hours that you put into a day uh, directly correlates to what you get out of it at the end of the day, how much money you make. 
Um, and my experience has been that we spend a lot of time spinning our wheels and uh, focused deeply on the things that do not actually make a difference in our businesses or in our work or in our careers. Um, and the reason that we spin our wheels and focus on these things is because they feel good to focus on. Uh, it feels good to be sitting there answering emails, responding to rapid fire, Slack requests, putting out small fires when we know in the back of our head, like that's not what's going to move the needle in a meaningful way. And then we find maybe once a week when things are really quiet, maybe you get into the office a little early or it's late at night, you know, you do like two, three, maybe four hours of work. That is actually the most important thing that you did the entire week. Mm. Uh, and my, my whole life now is just about kind of identifying where I'm, for lack of a better word, wasting time and where uh, I'm really dialed into the things that make an impact uh, on my business. Mm. So that's the philosophy kind of behind how I got there. But let's talk about like um, the rock bottom, right? Because I think a lot of people can relate to this. Now, I'm a big, big cheerleader advocate for being self-employed, for being uh, an entrepreneur, for freelancing. Uh, for the way that my brain works um, and my risk profile, I love it. Um, and I, I try to sell as many people as possible on it. Um, I love the freedom of it. Um, and I, <laughs> I would always say when I like first started out uh, on my own, just doing freelance graphic design and stuff. Um, you know, I would be happy to work twice as much, um, just to work for myself. And there's that, there's that expression that you hear, you know, what is it? I, you know, I got out of a nine to five and now I work all the time. Like that was my life. 100%. Uh, I got out of the nine to five world and was working 24 seven. Um, I was super tapped out. I was working long days was working weekends, feeling super burnt out. And the worst part was what I just talked about. I'd look back on a 10-hour day of work, sometimes 12-hour days, and I feel like I had nothing to show for it. Like my brain was no longer functioning at the end of the day. I was exhausted. I had that experience and the feeling of working all day, but there was nothing there. I didn't get anything done. So my moment of clarity uh, was one day when I was just sitting there after, you know, another like 80 hour week. And I was like, this just doesn't make sense. What am I actually doing all day? And then I kind of went through these series of questions that I was asking myself. And I asked myself, Rich, what are you really doing all day? What is happening the entire day when you're working? How are you spending your time? How are you wasting your time? How much time are you spending on things that lead directly to you growing your business and making more money. And uh, it turns out I was doing a lot of things wrong. Okay. So this is what sent me down the path, path that led me to the point where I am today. It was this kind of rock bottom experience where, you know, working 24 seven and I felt like I had nothing to show for it. Um, so yeah, that, that is the beginning of my productivity saga. Wow. I'm wondering when you kind of switched over to the fewer hours per week, 
how was that kind of judged by the people around you? I feel like it's such a badge of honor in the United States, especially to say I work these 40 to 80 hour weeks and that's supposed to be the thing that we all do. Did that kind of come with, um, I don't know, from family, friends, or even coworker, or you, you work for yourself, but <laughs> former coworkers with just kind of some judgment or did people think you were really weird? <laughs> That's a great question. And honestly, that is one of the most difficult things that to this day I will struggle with is the societal expectation that we are absolutely slammed, you know, so busy, we don't have time for anything else. At the end of the day, we just collapse. Um, you know, the 40 hour week, it it is always, I don't, I don't know, our society just like really programs it into our heads that that is how you're supposed to behave. And even now on weeks uh, where I'm only working, you know, 10, 15, even like on a bad week, 20 hours, which is <laughs> hilarious to say. But uh, I have that voice in the back of my head that says like, Rich, are you, shouldn't you be working harder? Are you really focused on, you know, what you should be doing? What if you put in, you know, those extra for six hours. Uh, and my experience is that for me, I can get more done in four hours of uninterrupted work than most people can get done in 10. Mm. Um, if you are actually 100% not distracted and focused on whatever it is you're trying to achieve, four hours is a long time. Think about, for example, you're on a flight, so you live on the West Coast. You know yeah. about the coast-to-coast uh, -coast flight. Sure um, do. What is it, about six <laughs> hours, something like that? Yep. And uh, if you have no access to any entertainment, and sometimes you know you break out the laptop and you'll just work for that entire kind of coast-to-coast flight, you can get an insane amount of work done when there are no emails to check, when there are no interruptions, when there's no social media popping up on your screen. Uh, that, <laughs> that is just a testament to the power of actually, you know, focused work. Mm -hmm. I had that experience recently. We, this last weekend, we were in Colorado for my brother-in-law's wedding and going out there, it was a two hour flight. So I had so much to do and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get all of this done. But I had no internet on the flight, and so I turned my computer into the offline mode and was just working in a Google document. And much to my surprise, I got everything done in, I think, the first 45 minutes of the flight. And then for the second half of the flight, I read my book. Um, <laughs> but then that doesn't ever seem to translate to when I do have internet and social media accessible. So what are, I mean, the distractions you mentioned, I've heard, obviously, Instagram, Facebook, all of the social media, you mentioned Slack, you mentioned email. What do we do when faced with all of these potential interruptions? How do you kind of structure your day? Any practical tips for, you said, like, you catalog your time? What can just we start doing <laughs> to be more sure. like you. <laughs> sure. Well, <laughs> well, you may not want to be like me. Um, I think I, I do. Mean, I do. <laughs> one of the, you know, one of the things that I always say is the reason that I kind of practice these like, you know, mindful time management and, you know, personal productivity practices is because I know what I want my life to look like. And so often 
people will say, oh yeah, no, 15 hours a week. Uh, that sounds fantastic. I want that. Um, that's exactly what I want. But they don't take a look at what it actually means to only work 15 hours a week. Uh, and my experience is that 15 hours a week is saying no to a lot of things. And you have to learn that there are trade-offs and you know sometimes most of the trade-offs are easy. Um, a lot of the, the biggest steps that I took, no one even realized that I took them. People are so like jammed up with their, uh, you know, crazy work schedule and, you know, nine to five existence that a lot of times they don't even realize what you're doing. Um, but the only time that really hits friction is sometimes like I have to say no to things that it would be much easier for me to just say yes. And it's so easy. Like, I, I don't know. I, by default, I'm kind of a people pleaser. So I find it much easier to just say yes than to have to actually set a boundary and and realize you cannot say yes to everything, right? When you, anytime you say yes to something, you're saying no to everything else. You have now locked in your time for that activity, whatever it is. And I found that, you know, I could fill up my calendar in a second if I said yes to every request that came in over the course of the week. Um, a lot of times that means uh, for my business, so I'm in selling creative services, uh, I filter out a lot of clients. Now, I could probably have a much larger business in terms of what society considers a large business. So a lot of employees, more revenue, stuff like that, but it wouldn't serve me, right? The reason, like I said, I, I was so interested in being self-employed was that I had uh, this desire for flexibility and freedom. So the trade-off that I'm making is I say no to a lot of clients where the money's good. It's not in, you know, it's not like a, a home run, but most people would take the work because they say, okay, you know, it's better to work than to not work. But if you're optimizing for a schedule that is more open and flexible, those are the type of real sacrifices that you have to make in order to live the life that you want. So sometimes it's easy, right? It's easy to, well, it's not easy, it's simple. Sometimes it's simple to set the boundaries, to you know lock your phone in another room, to set up like internet blockers so you don't go on distracting sites. These kind of tactical things that I'll, I'll talk about are simple to understand, but the real trade-offs come when you have to pick between two good things, right? One, which is what you actually want in life more than anything else. For me, it's freedom and flexibility in my schedule. That's different for other people. For other people, it might be time spent with their family. For other people, it might be money, you know? And if you're optimizing for that and that's like what you want at your stage in life, there's totally nothing wrong with that. So when people say, I want 15 hours a week, you also want saying no to clients who are happy to pay you. You also want saying no to people that maybe you're even friends with or close with um, that you know want to just have a coffee just to chat. All of these small decisions add up over the course of hours and weeks and really make the difference between um, a packed schedule and you know a life with some room to breathe. Hmm. What about if someone is not self-employed? So 
I'm self-employed, but I'm thinking my husband, for example, at his work, he's on Slack. I think he's kind of required to be on there. He puts out a lot of small fires all day. He's, I think, expected to respond to emails pretty quickly. Um, But I would imagine, you know, that gets very distracting for anyone now that Slack is this invention in addition to email. What do you advise for that person who maybe doesn't have as much control? So that's a great question. That comes up all the time. My broadest statement would be, if you are really committed to living a certain kind of life, being an employee might not work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, at the highest, highest level, when we're thinking about, okay, not just the week to week and the month to, the, to month, but you know the big arc of your life, if you really want that kind of freedom, being an employee might just not work. Now, I tend to think of productivity in terms of two categories. So there's personal productivity, which are the habits, the tactics, the mindsets that allow you to do your work as efficiently as possible. And then there's the second half, which really, unfortunately, only applies to folks that are self-employed or trying to be self-employed or freelancing or coaching on the side. If you have a side hustle, you can start to leverage these things. And I call that business design. So it's how you structure your business to take advantage of that. Um, To get to where I am, it's a combination of both. Now, if you are an employee or you're working for an organization, uh, you are going to have to lean much more heavily on the personal productivity side of things. And the issue that I see often with folks in a traditional office job and a knowledge work job is if they get their work done faster, there is no incentive for them to do that. Uh, The reward does not directly uh, appear. Let's say all of a sudden you cut out all of your distractions, you become significantly more efficient, you don't waste any time at work, and it it turns out you can get your workday done in five hours. No one is really going to be cool with you leaving after five hours. And (laughs) that's where things get tricky. And that's where the work culture that, I mean, I know so many people that work at at jobs where they're like, yeah, I like pretend to look busy for four hours and then uh, I'm on social media for two and I do about an hour of work. And mainly my job is just being a warm body in a chair and doing like 10 hours of work a week. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's sad because uh, it, I mean, these are people that like will never get fired, right? They're considered good employees, but there's really only so much work and then there are distractions surrounding it. So you got to ask yourself, how can I position myself in my job where you know, making these efforts to improve my personal productivity will turn into something that benefits me, right? There's nothing worse than busting your ass to improve yourself only for your employer to get all the benefit of it. So let's say you know, your husband you know, improves his productivity, he gets everything done in five hours, uh, his boss is probably going to say, oh, that's amazing. Well, now you can do three extra hours of productive work <laughs> during during those new three hours you freed up, right? Uh, and that's where you lose the leverage. So a lot of times it has to come at a structural level. Um, 
there's only so much you can do as an individual person because you know, at a certain level, you're beholden to the amount of hours that you're expected to work. Mm -hmm. Um, I would encourage, uh, your listeners to check out. So there's a company called Basecamp. Um, and you know, they're, uh, they're a company with employees and they run things very differently than the traditional, um, nine to five job. They have a book. It's called, it doesn't have to be crazy at work. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite books and I, you know, despite not having any, uh, traditional employees, uh, I highly recommend it. So that one is by, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I can see it's by Jason Freed. Okay. Um, that is the author and it's called, it doesn't have to be crazy at work. Um, and that's kind of a great model of how to run a productive workplace with, you know, true work-life balance in the context of, uh, of a job. But unfortunately, the uh, the greatest rewards of personal productivity uh, often come to those who have the freedom to to reap them. Um, right. So it is. Yeah, no, it is what that it makes is. sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great, though. I love that tangible idea of the book um, because I know a lot of companies also are open to kind of evolving and adjusting practices here and there, or maybe reducing the number of meetings or the amount of time spent in meetings. Um, so if anyone's listening and they feel like they have a company or a boss who's open to, you know, changing or reading a new book, then that would be a great resource for that person to maybe give it to your boss as a Christmas gift, right? <laughs> <laughs> I heard this is a good one. <laughs> um, has So I'd love to know, so that's a great kind of tangible idea. Are there any time management apps or websites or other tools that you recommend? Absolutely. I I love talking about this. So when I first got into uh, this kind of productivity thing, um, I'll I'll give another shout out. I'm a huge reader. Um, I I read a ton and uh, I, I read like, I don't know, three to seven books a month. Um, and the, the book that really started me on this productivity journey is now considered like a, a classic book. You probably heard of it. It's called the four hour work week. Mm-hmm. It's by, it's by Tim Ferriss. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people have read it. And, um, at that point I kind of felt like, um, I could solve all of my productivity issues through apps and systems alone. Um, and there I've gone through them all. I've tried, you know, I don't know, probably over 50 different phone apps, uh, desktop apps, uh, you know, systems, websites, stuff like that. And, um, my mindset has really evolved on this over time, but the good news is I I now have a handful of apps that I use that have kind of withstood the test of time. Hmm. Um, I've learned that it is possible to overcomplicate productivity. And sometimes we can just take that amazing energy that we've freed up and direct it immediately into tweaking apps and plugging things into databases and planning and optimizing. Um, So I'll give a couple apps that I use. They're all extremely simple. That is a, a hallmark of what I consider to be a helpful time management app. So if it makes my life easier, if it makes me make less decisions in a day, 
and it doesn't create any more work than it saves. Uh, I find a lot of productivity apps are just like another job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's what I've got. Number one, if you're struggling with uh, being distracted while you're trying to work. So let's say you have, I've noticed from talking to people and coaching them that a lot of people have these routines that they run on autopilot. Um, and I notice it most with either a phone or with the computer where when they reach some friction while working, um, whether they like hit a roadblock or they finish like part of a project, they immediately run this routine where it's almost like a reward routine where they Mm -hmm. will subconsciously pull up a website or an app, a social media app, and they just do it almost without any thinking. Um, And, you know, I'll watch people and then just all of a sudden they're on a site. It might be Instagram. It might be pulling up the news. uh, It might be, you know, even pulling up your email, just something with a feed usually Mm -hmm. is a good indicator that uh, people are going to be drawn to it subconsciously. So the app that I recommend uh, to handle that is called Freedom. Uh, I believe their website is freedom.to. Okay. Um, for like freedom to, I don't know, live your life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't don't look at Instagram, whatever. I see um, what they did there. <laughs> I like it. it. Yeah, it's clever. And that is an amazing app. Uh, it will allow you to block websites uh, and apps on your phone for specific time periods throughout the day. So for me, I run it Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I have a block list of websites that I know uh, I do not need for my work. Um, They are distractions. I also have certain block lists that I've created, you know, because I am a graphic designer and uh, a video producer. Sometimes I will need access to like YouTube because I need to pull a clip of something. So I have some custom lists that I've made that still allow me to get around that when I need to do my job. Uh, But I find that I run my default all distractions list more often than not. And even now with this, this system beat into my head over the last couple of years, like I get hit with the, your blocked screen multiple times a day. Mm. Like it, 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 you know, you're really fighting against a battle that you really can't win with willpower. Um, you know, the people that design these apps with feeds, Instagram is a perfect example they're really smart and they have a lot of money and their goal is to keep you looking at their app. And I mean, that's one of the reasons that they're great. I'm not saying you need to cut out anything from your life, but if you're saying now is the time when I'm supposed to sit down and get something done, then you probably shouldn't be looking at anything else. Mm-hmm. So that's freedom. Okay. Second app is called Toggle, T-O-G-G-L. Okay. So Toggle is a time tracking app. And I'll, I'll just go on a quick tangent here uh, because when people ask me what is the most important uh, productivity tip that you can give, uh, it's this. Mm. Track your time. Okay? It sounds so simple. It is the, like, duh, right? Actually see what you're doing with your time over the course of one week. So 
I, when I work with people, I do something called the time audit. Um, it's extremely simple, but it is really hard for people to do. Um, so step one of the time audit is track your time for one week down to the minute. So when you're working on a project and you tab over to Twitter or the news, you need to track that. When you pick up your phone and you're working on a project and you pick up Instagram, you need to track that. Um, during this week, you don't want to change your behavior. You just go about your work and your personal life and you track what you spend your time on. Now, Toggle is great for this because uh, it makes the process of tracking your time extremely simple. Mm. Um, but you want to track your social media usage, how often you're on email, how many meetings you're in, how much time you spend with your family, exercising, sleep, TV. During this week, I want to encourage people to not analyze this information until the week is up. We are strictly passive reporters observing. We're not modifying our behavior. We are just living a week in our life and, you know, also detached, you know, recording what's happening. Okay. So the tool's not important. You can use toggle. You could use a spreadsheet in Excel. You could use a pen and paper. Hmm. Most important thing is committing and following through on it. So step two, when I do the time audit with, with uh, people is we categorize the time. So you now have a week mapped out um, all the different things you spend your time on. Um, then you total up the amount of hours you spend in each category and list how much time you spend on them. So I like to break it up by work and personal. So for me, the work categories will look something like this. Time spent on billable projects. So that is the holy grail for my business, right? Anytime I am working on a project that leads to me directly getting paid, not indirectly, not writing a proposal, not sitting in a meeting, um, billable work is the holy grail for my business. Um, that is like, that tells me I'm, I'm doing the right thing with that. Um, other things you would track, client communication, your email, meetings, calls, interruptions. That's a big one. Tracking your interruptions throughout the day is really, really informative. Time spent on social media, Slack, et cetera, et cetera. And then in our personal time, we see family time, hobbies, exercise, TV, social media also falls in your personal time too. Watching the news, just reporting how we spend our time. Okay. And then step three, what did you learn? So you're going to start to have a really good sense of where your time is actually going. Uh, and then you're going to start to ask yourself some questions uh, about how does this make you feel, right? So here's some low-hanging fruit when you're actually looking at this. How many hours do you actually spend doing real work versus the time spent sitting at your desk in work mode doing what I like to call working in quotes, okay? Mm -hmm. Everyone loves myself included, everyone loves to quote unquote work, which is sitting at a desk, pretending to work, mm -hmm. looking at social media, checking your email, doing things that are not really going to help you to grow your business, to like help your clients, all these kind of things. So the big thing to calculate is the amount of time spent working at your desk and quote unquote working. And what, what does that ratio actually look like? Okay. So other things you can ask yourself, how much time are you spending 
on things that other people put on my to-do list. This is a really big one. Um, you know, like I said, uh, by default, I am good for people pleasing. And, you know, anytime I get a request from someone, if I am not vigilant, I will just say yes, just to not have to say no. Um, and that's how you end up with a very long to-do list full of other people's priorities. Mm. That's a that's a really tough one, um, but you need to learn to be able to identify when that happens. Um, the next one is, was I spending my time intentionally? This is so important. So there's a quick little story I'll, I'll mention about this. Um, it's a true story. There's a consultant and he works with uh, top executives, the highest levels of the Fortune 500. Uh, these executives, men and women, they get paid uh, millions of dollars, this is their job, right? To help top executives perform better. Their goal is they get paid when executives make more money, right? Hmm. So this coach sits down with these Fortune 500 executives and hands them a piece of paper. On that paper, he would have them write down a list of their priorities for the business. So pick any any Fortune 500 company, it doesn't really matter. We'll, we'll say uh, McDonald's or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so McDonald's, make me a list, executive, of all the top priorities for McDonald's. Okay, the biggest things that are crucial for the company's growth and success over the next year. This is where things get tricky. He then asks them, with that list in his hand, to pull up their calendar. And then sit down and he goes through their calendar and their time tracking and match one-to-one -one which time is spent on the calendar matching to a priority and which isn't. And what these, uh, these coaches and consultants have found is less than 20% of a CEO's time is actually spent in service of what they consider to be the biggest priorities for the company. So this is a an issue that everyone struggles with. This is a major, major uh, problem that people run into. So back to our list, was I spending my time intentionally? So did I end up spending my time doing the things that I said I wanted to do that were my priorities, right? And then you have all the distractions. How much time did I spend on email, on social media, in meetings, all of these things, okay? So that is the time audit. And then the one big priority question that I like to ask people is if you could only work two hours a day and you still needed to make the same amount of money, what would you not do? Hmm. Okay. What would you give up on immediately? Let's say you had some imaginary disease or disability that says you only have gas in the tank for two hours a day, but you still have to support your family. You still need to make the same amount of money. What would you say no to immediately? At the top of the list, you'd say, oh, I don't actually need to do that. Most people find that more than half the time that they spend before this time audit happens uh, is, is eligible to be removed immediately. Hmm. Um, so that's the time audit. Um, that was all a big story to get back to the app toggle which is the app that I currently use. I've been doing this for years now, um, tracking my time. I've got it open right now. We're running. This is, this is part of my clock for this week. Uh, I'm currently at uh, 
looking at my app now. Uh, seven and a half hours for yesterday and today. Mondays and Tuesdays are my two biggest days of the week. Um, mm. And yeah, that that is a that is a big one. Um, I'll give you one more app, and then we can talk about some other stuff that might be interesting. Um, another app that I have been using for uh, a long time that people may not be aware of. Um, is not directly a productivity app, but it's called Loom. Uh, mm. Loom is an app that allows you, it sounds very simple, but it allows you to record video of you talking uh, along with your computer screen where you can like show, you can share your screen basically. Um, and you can record quick videos, which then are immediately turned into links, which you can send to people and you know, they're able to see what you're saying. So the reason that this app is so helpful is it has allowed me to reduce the amount of meetings that I tend to on a weekly basis by like 80%. Um, mm-hmm. So many of the meetings that I do, at least in my line of work, um, revolve around, you know, basically reporting what, what I'm up to or, you know, showing something for feedback. So instead of scheduling a 30 minute meeting, I can record a four minute video with me showing, you know, a design or whatever, um, or something for some feedback or, you know, maybe telling my freelancers, okay, this is what I need you to fix. These are the edits you need to make. I send that video off and they get to watch it on their own time. So there's no more time spent juggling schedules and booking appointments that are, you know, longer than they need to be. You know, it's mm. the difference between five minutes and half an hour, and that adds up over time. So that's called Loom. I highly recommend Loom as well. I love that. I've heard of I've heard of that one. I hadn't heard of the other two, but I will put links into the show notes for all three. Um, and I can't wait to try them out myself. I definitely could use a time audit, I think. It sounds like everyone a lot of us could. It. Everyone could use do it. it. Yeah. I still do it. So I every quarter I will go back and I will do another time audit because this is not uh it's it's a lifelong process, right? Right. Um, and as our responsibilities change and as our work habits change, we need to keep up with them. Um and I find that that's the best way to have awareness about it. Yeah, and I think um like you're saying for anyone, I know when I'm working with clients um doing nutrition and weight loss coaching, that we do a similar thing with food journaling where I'll have them just upload pictures of things they're eating. And it's not for judgment. It's just for data collection. And I feel like the more knowledge you have, the more self-awareness you have about yourself, it's so powerful and empowering um, just to kind of take a step back. It's not to be, you know, beating yourself up over, Oh, I ate this or I spent too much time on social media today. It's just kind of a, hmm, let me observe this and let me soak this in and let me decide, is this really, like you said, actions that are adding up to the goals I have or kind of where I want to go in terms of my health or my time or whatever. Um, So really useful. I think one of the, I know on your Instagram, you have so many incredible headlines and I always, you know, will mention a guest Instagram, but I have to say yours is literally amazing. Also, you're (laughs) a designer, so it's really pleasing to the eye, but you say so many just incredible, catchy taglines and um, just, you do a lot of the kind of swipe through tips. And so 
people can definitely go there and learn so, so, so much more about managing time. But I'd love to tackle one because I hear this a lot with clients of my own. And I think a lot of us maybe say this from time to time, but you were just mentioning mentioning this time audit. So you said on one of your Instagram headlines, I don't have time really means it's not a priority. Can you touch on that a bit more? Sure. I'm happy to. Um, that is, as it sounds like you experience as well, uh, the number one thing that uh, I hear people say, they <laughs> they tell me I don't have time. Um, and when we sit down and do the time audit, uh, it turns out everyone has time. Um, even people with absolutely jam-packed schedules, um, there is time for everything that matters. Okay? You cannot do everything, but you can do anything. Bottom line is we really do have complete ownership of our time. When we decide we want to spend, you know, spend our time, I'll give you an example, um, from my life, uh, all day playing video games instead of going to the gym. You don't say, I don't have time to work out. You chose not to work out and play video games instead, right? Mm -hmm. Which is totally fine. Uh, There is nothing wrong with that. But we need to reframe this idea that I don't have time to reframe it as it's not a priority, okay? So many things in life we do on autopilot. Um, We don't even realize we're doing them. Um, Like I said, I talked about this a lot. Uh, It's so easy to just say yes to things, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, if we don't have clarity on what we want out of life, we're going to find out that you know, our schedule is 100% full and the things that are on that schedule are not really what we want. Mm. So it's all about reframing that idea that you do have time. And if you don't have time, it's not a priority. It's not important to you. Yeah. Another headline that really stuck out to me and I think could be useful for people to hear is um, the two minute rule. Can you touch on that one a bit? Sure. You know, what's so funny is, um, listen, I didn't, I don't make these productivity rules. A lot of the things that I teach are from books or like have been shared around online a lot. And there are actually two, two minute rules, which is kind of insane. Uh, I guess at some point, two different people coined two different two minute rules. Mm. (laughs) So I'm going to give you one of the two minute rules. And, uh, if you look at my Instagram, They're both on there. Um, You can figure that out. Okay. So this is a two-minute rule that I use in my life all the time. It comes from another kind of Bible of productivity. This is one. He's kind of one of the originators. The name of the book is called Getting Things Done. Hmm. It's by David Allen. Um, It's a little bit of a complicated read, but some of the ideas in there are absolutely game-changing. Um, he definitely gets into the weeds sometimes, but getting things done is uh, is worth a read. So David Allen has this idea of the two-minute rule, okay? So this is to help us manage all of these tiny tasks that pile up over the course of the day over and over again. It makes our to-do list just continue to grow and grow. This is the two-minute rule. So if there is a task you need to do, and it takes less than two minutes, you do it right now. Okay. And why that is so important is it frees us from 
all of these microscopic tasks that end up on our to-do list. So the example I have right here, right, is uh, on my desk currently, I have um, like an empty water bottle and a empty teacup. So when I'm done with this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take those downstairs and get rid of them. So anything that takes less than two minutes, don't put it off, just do it. As soon as you identify that this is something that you can do, complete it immediately. Hmm. Where this comes up a lot is, this is probably the biggest use case that I find helps people, is when it comes to email. So when you take time to check your email, uh, if it takes less than two minutes to handle that email, whether that means sending a response or doing whatever task is in that email, do it. There is no benefit. There's nothing worse than checking your email and then just letting it sit there. So when I get an email request and it's like, oh, could you make this one edit to this document and send it back? So many times my default thought will be, all right, let me star that and I'll deal with it later. When in reality, it is a 45 second task. <laughs> and that frees up so much mental bandwidth mm. because our brains aren't crowded with all of these tiny tasks that we know we need to get done. See, our brains are, are very primordial and um, they don't work the way we like, <laughs> we, the way we think that they work. Mm -hmm. um, they're not computer. I mean, they are computers, but they're not computers in the way that we can retain everything all at once. Um, they're good at a lot of things, but the more tasks that we have loaded in the back of our mind, the more stressed out we get. Um, it's actually demonstrated that when you're trying to manage all of these things and juggle them in the back of your head, it actually causes you to be stressed out and to perform worse. Mm. So if you cannot do this task in two minutes, the other thing that you do in the second step is you write it down. Okay, that's another huge lesson from getting things done. The book is as soon as something comes into your head, you get it out into a trusted system of some kind, whether that is a piece of paper next to your desk or some kind of notepad. That way, our brains realize this is now handled and I can close the loop on this. Because right. otherwise, when you say, oh, there's a package outside, uh, but I don't feel like getting it right now, then that you know, while you're working on whatever you're working on, that's still floating in the back of your brain, package, 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 mm. as opposed to one, getting up, grabbing it and being done with it, or two, writing it down and releasing it from your mind. Mm. I love that. Well, I mean, speaking of time, I could literally talk to you for hours and hours, but <laughs> I... I booked you for an hour, so we have to wrap up, unfortunately. But um, the last question I ask each of my guests, and I'd love to hear your take on it, is what does it mean to you to make the health investment? That's a great question. So how I'll answer this is just a reminder. How we spend our time is the most important thing that we do in our lives. Time is a non-renewable resource. One of the things that I encourage people to do, and people really struggle with this, um, but if you can learn this lesson, it's going to help you have a lot more time for the things that matter. I would encourage you to figure out ways to spend money to buy time. Hmm. That does not have to be 
expensive. Okay. A lot of times when I'm talking to people and not, you know, everyone makes different amounts of money, but there is a way to apply this for everyone's life. A more obvious example that might get your brain jogging is I will sometimes talk to people who make, I don't know, six figures, right? And they complain that they have to clean their house once a week. And when I sit down and crunch the numbers with them on how much it costs to hire a cleaner, they make more money just sitting there doing nothing, right? And that's time that you could spend with your family, that you could spend working on your business, that you could spend staring off into space, doing nothing, whatever your heart desires. Um, So the habit that makes the biggest investment is figuring out ways to spend money to buy time. You Mm. can't get more time. I know we want to do everything, but it's a non-renewable resource. So money is a tool to do that. I find that rather than splurging and spending money on things that like, you know, will bring you short-term joy. Um, every time you spend money on buying time, it's the best possible investment. Hmm. I love that. No one's ever said any response like that. So <laughs> food for thought <laughs> for all of us. I, I really appreciate that. I would love also now for listeners to hear where they can follow and find you. We mentioned your Instagram, which I will link in the show notes, but feel free to mention all the places. Sure, sure. So uh, my name is Rich Webster. I'm on Instagram at Rich Webs, R-I-C-H-W-E-B-Z. I don't know how I ended up with that account, uh, but my full name was taken. So <laughs> there we are. There you go. Uh, I am, uh, I'm going to be rolling out an email list sometime in the near future, probably maybe before this episode airs. I'm not sure when <laughs> it's going to air, but there'll be a link to that on my IG Um, And if you're interested in the other things that I do uh, with my 15 hours of work a week, uh, my design agency is called Richard Media Company. We're at richardmediacompany.com. And my uh, brick and mortar business is uh, a health and wellness kind of retreat spa in uh, Philadelphia. And it's called Connect, K-O-N-E-C-T. And uh, yeah, we're we're at liveconnected with a K.com. Awesome. I will link to all of those things in the show notes. And again, just speaking so much about time, I'm so grateful that you said yes to this opportunity to be on the podcast. And I've just truly enjoyed our conversation. And I can't wait for listeners to hear all of your wisdom. Thank you, Brooke. I really appreciate it. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.